to another episode with us girls talk crime i'm jenny i'm georgia and i'm amy and today we'll be discussing another chilling case this is the story of the candy man also known as the man who killed halloween in keeping with the time of year this october every week we're gonna do like a freaky case that's kind of glued in with halloween halloween yeah yeah, if we can find them. And if you have any recommendations of a Halloween case that maybe we haven't heard of, slip us an email and maybe we will record it. For God's sake, give us some recommendations. <laughs> Stop leaving us on bloody red on our Instagram story. <laughs> we are running dry, yeah. guys. We're shit. <laughs> Help a girl out. Help a girl out. Okay. The O'Brien family lived in Deer Park, Texas, USA. Either of you fancy a stab at the Texan draw, Georgia? You're our prime accenter. <laughs> I can't do it on demand. I just have to do it like... Maybe try and say that sentence again, but in a Texan accent. Either of you fancy a stab at the Texan draw? Oh, that's pretty good. I don't know, is it quite down, down south? A little, um, little bit southern? <laughs> I can't do any accents. <laughs> Amy, fancy a go? Either of you fancy having a stab at the Texan draw? <laughs> Oh, that was that was bloody brilliant, Amy Howard. Let me grab my hat and my coat. Jenny, Jenny's over there doing the old, a bit of a Australian. A bit of Australian. <laughs> a bit of, bit of the Irish. It's going to be the best one. Yeah. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> Either of you fancy a stab at the Texan draw? <laughs> as, as Jenny's famous, a massive bit of dribble. <laughs> it's just drooling yeah, out drool. of her mouth. <laughs> Any of you Texans out there, we do apologise if you've... We've yeah. just butchered your yeah. accent. Yeah, we, we, we are sorry. Also, just go off on a quick tangent, because us three think we are hilarious. We <laughs> think that we should start doing a stand-up comedy, and me and Georgia actually came up with a little name for ourselves. So Georgia, being the resident potato, she would be Spud. Me being the resident dribbler, I would be Dribble. And Amy... Being the psychopath, no. would, <laughs> would be bottom jaw. <laughs> spud, or, dribble, or and, like spud, dribble, and thunder jaw. <laughs> the Howard thunder jaw. Why did I not know about this game till now? <laughs> we well, didn't know about your Halloween outfit until we told you what you're going as. So, without further hesitation, let's get to it.
So the O'Brien family lived in Deer Park, Texas, USA. The family was made up of the father, Ronald, the mother, Diane, eight-year-old son, Timothy, and the five-year-old daughter, Elizabeth. On Halloween of 1974, Ronald, the father, and a friend and neighbour took their three children on the annual trick-or-treating outing around the local area. So guys, did any of you go trick-or-treating? Were you allowed? I certainly wasn't. What? My mum and dad didn't believe in Halloween. They thought it was just glorified begging. (laughs) (laughs) You poor little deprived nugget. I I always went trick-or-treating. I fucking loved it. Mm. Literally the only time I went trick-or-treating was with Amy in about year seven so we'd be in more like 12 yeah and um me and one of our good friends Rihanna went as conjoined what was the word for it twins so we were so we were conjoined twins but we were also fortune tellers that was our thing and we just like wrapped ourselves in a towel can you remember it oh I don't remember that like I I remember I had a bowling birthday party do you remember oh my god yeah amy you dressed up as the most amazing thing i think it was like must have been year seven and even though it's not halloween we're just on the line of fancy dress dressing up and i think i went as britney spears so i had i'm pretty sure that's what i was i had like a shirt and stuff on because i really liked her at the time yeah slut since day one and then amy rocked up as super nanny (laughs) with a briefcase she came with a briefcase briefcase you had like a little suit and everything So good. I just remember, like, yeah, Dad doing my bowl in my little pencil skirt. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it was so good. It was so good. I can remember that party because I think at the time you guys were like being horrible to me, and my mum wouldn't let me wear the costume to the party in case it was a trick, and no one else had dressed up. Oh, Why was I've never? I didn't. I didn't believe that. Yeah, I, I can remember. Oh, I think it, yeah. What? It was Amy. Anything that's weird means to me. That's the only thing I've ever been with. I don't know what I was dressed up as, but I, know, I can remember getting changed in the toilets because I actually turned up and I was like, oh, it actually is fancy dress and it wasn't just a prank. Hashtag oh. mean girls. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I remember my parents were kind of similar to yours, like they didn't agree on trick or treating, but because I wanted to do it, they'd let me do it. But our area, like we all, I would only go to people that we knew. I wasn't allowed to go to anyone that I didn't know. Yeah. But I used to come out so much candy. Candy? Sorry. I used to come out with so much sweets. I'm not American. Um, and if anyone ever gave me money, I'd be really pissed off. You just, you just wanted the I chocolate. Just wanted, just wanted the sweets. Yeah. Give me the sweeties! I remember like, I went and knocked on one door and he gave like literally for, like five pounds. And me and my friend were like, what the fuck is this? I love that mask. Yeah. Should we just go trick or treating and see if people will give us money? Yeah, I do remember my mum was like, by the time you kind of did trick or treating, you were too old. Yeah. yeah it was free, free sweets. I remember at that party you did when we were at school and we went round, but we broke into teams and then we weighed our sweets to see who got the most at the end. Oh, yeah. yeah, that we just went and sat in the park and we just dressed up as like pure goths and then those guys came and. <laughs> well, I don't know how old we had been, but we just sat and. It was that evening with was the friend. Our friend. Yeah, when we drank all the port and she started throwing up everywhere, and the old lady was like, "Ooh." Oh my god, that old <laughs> lady could have been like that. And she came out of nowhere. Like one minute we were all on our own, next minute she was fucking in front of us. It was like ten o'clock at night, probably late in that. Oh my god, where did this lady come from? Where was she? Who was she? Was she real? I trusted her because she was a little old lady. So things were going well. The kids were happily going door to door collecting their sweets or as you like to say in America, your candy, until they knocked on one door, nobody answered, 
and the kids being kids ran ahead to try the next house. The family friend followed after, but Ronald hung back. After a few minutes, Ronald rejoined the group. He said that shortly after they ran off, the door was answered and the occupant handed him five sticks of sherbet, also known as pixie sticks. So Ronald shared these out with the three children and gave his friend another to give to his younger child who was at home with their mother. The fifth stick he handed to a random child in the street who was also out trick-or-treating that evening. After this, it wasn't long before the group decided to call it a night and head home. The weather was awful and they had only managed a couple of streets. On arriving home, Timothy, Ronald's eight-year-old son, couldn't wait any longer to dig into his Halloween loot. He had chosen a sherbet stick as his treat before he headed to bed, but Timothy found it very hard to open. There was a large staple on the top preventing him from getting into it. I remember these sweets. Um, they were like glued, weren't they, either end? And yeah, long like ass, yeah, yeah, long ass sherbet sticks. So of course, Timothy asked his father for assistance with opening it for him. Ronald opened the treat and handed it back to his son to eat. Timothy only managed to eat a small amount of the sherbet, complaining that it was bitter and it tasted horrible, and shortly abandoned the rest of his sweet. So his dad made him a glass of Kool-Aid, essentially powdered squash for our UK listeners, so that Timothy could wash the bitter taste out of his mouth. Shortly after this, Timothy started complaining about terrible tummy pains, and just a few minutes after consuming that small amount of sherbet, poor Timothy had to run to the bathroom and began to be horrifically sick and convulsing on the floor. That's absolutely horrendous. Scary, isn't it? Yeah. Mm, I would shit myself in that situation, because it could be just an allergic reaction. Yeah. Mm. Like, yeah, lobbing a phone at someone. Mm. It also sounds like a horrendous stomach bug, which you guys have had recently. <laughs> oh, yeah, tell me about it. I lost four pounds. <laughs> <laughs> here. Ronald ran to his son's aid and cradled him on the floor while he was continuing to vomit. Just seconds after, Ronald reported that his son went limp in his arms. 911 was called and an ambulance was dispatched to the O'Brien home. This was now a medical emergency. But on the way to the hospital, eight-year-old Timothy O'Brien sadly passed away, less than an hour after consuming the Halloween sherbet. Oh my god, can you imagine just that quickly? It gives me kind of goose pimples to think about it, that something's so small and you wouldn't know what it was at the time. Yeah. Your son's dead. I mean, obviously as the story goes on, we, we find out that there's a bit more backstory to what's happened, but you could literally give your child a food and they could be horrendously allergic to it. And then that, yeah. yeah. Me and my little, my little sister, I remember when we were out eating one time and we had nuts on the table and um, she was eating them and they had like a bit of spice to them and she was like, oh, I don't like it. Oh, like fanning her tongue. So I thought, we all thought it's just too spicy for her. She's not liking it. Um, So I was there like, like picking it out of her teeth because she was only, I think three or four. So I was like, open your mouth, open your mouth. And I was picking out what I could see remnants of the, um like no. spice left it and nut left in her tooth and then literally her tongue went so swollen and all around her mouth and all on her arms like she went up and like as if she'd fallen in stinging nettles like hives. yeah full oh, on wow. hives mm. and my stepmom was like oh my god she like ran to the next co-op like which was only down the road and got us some um pyroton and then she had some of that and eventually it did die down but i was like making her drink milk because obviously we all thought she was just having Mm. It was spicy. Yeah. And then I was making a drink and I was like holding wet flannels on her face. But she did. Oh. She had her Pyroton and then she went she went and literally just fell asleep in the restaurant we were in. 
so we didn't like take her home and she did manage to come up with that it's scary. a really precise nut she's not allergic to nuts it's cashews and pistachios that she's oh, allergic yeah. to I'm, i um i'm allergic to like a particular antibiotic and it didn't kind of actually affect me till like a week after and i came up in highs on my arms i remember like, that how's that then my leg my leg swelled up so like massive then my face started and it hurt yeah it was so painful i remember because you snapchatted us <laughs> yeah i look you. like yeah. The yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah. I was going to say Iron Man. <laughs> I had to um, go into work to like drop my keys back because I had the keys to like lock the store up. And my boss looked at me and she was like, "Oh my god!" And I was like, "Yeah, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not, not like, kidding. Like, yeah. I'm generally not very well." And I went to A and E about three times because yeah. I was like, "I can't fucking breathe." And they're like, "No, there's not much we can do. Like, it's in your system. You can't get it out." Yeah. So you, did, well, you, you literally just had to wait for it to pass. Yeah. Yeah. yeah but it's no vomiting or anything like that. It's literally just my. It's painful, just, wasn't it? It's painful, achy. Oh, it's horrible. Was it like in your time. nerves, almost like when you get a headache and it kind of goes into your yeah. jaw and stuff? Yeah. Oh. I just felt like my whole body was bruised, like to touch. Tight, like, almost. Oh, as well. Yeah. It's not scary. Good. So not, good. not taking but, that again. Yeah, no. but that, again, back to the story that this is—you would think it's an allergic reaction, but you like a really bad allergic reaction. It's not sat in your stomach, right? And you just, yeah, vomited in. Like, body's away, rejected yeah. it. Yeah. And then, of course, less than an hour later. Poor Timothy had passed away. Mm-hmm. Now, of course, news of this travelled like wildfire around the neighbourhood, and parents began to panic at once that one of the local houses had been handing out poison sweets to the kids, and suspicion towards each other was at a high. Most parents started to confiscate or throw away the kids' trick-or-treating sweets. Now, as a mother myself, if I heard that one of the local children had died after eating a sweet that could also potentially be given to my son, however small the chance would have been that he would have gone to that particular mm. house, I'd have literally taken those sweets and put them straight in the black bin. I wouldn't mm. even thought about it. I'd be like, nope, yeah. you're not. You're not even touching them. Straight in the bin. Mm. I'll buy you yeah. a bag of sweets. Yeah, I'm risking it. It sounds like it must have been quite a close neighbourhood as well because. Mm that could happen at someone's house and you're not necessarily going to know what's happened. It's like someone yeah. could die next door but you don't know how. Exactly. And you're not going to go around and be like, what happened? I suppose because it's sort of like the early 70s, so communities were a bit closer back then. Yeah. And as well, they would have seen the ambulance. I guess you went out with a friend and the neighbour. And the neighbour yeah. would have all known. So yeah, it obviously got around very fast. Yeah. So thousands of sweets were handed into the local police station for testing or disposal in fears that they had been tampered with. Police shortly were able to establish that the poisoned sweets were the pixie stick, so the little, little tiny sherbet sticks that are kind of glued to each side. And with this information, an alert was put out to all of the locals. Ronald told police how this one house had given him the sherbet sticks and how he had doled them out between his kids and his friends. Luckily, the other children hadn't yet attempted to eat them and they were removed and handed to the police. However, the fifth stick that Ronald had handed to a random child in the street, luckily, Ronald was able to identify the child as someone who attended their local church. The following morning, police were able to track this child down. The police and the child's family frantically started to search the home for this stick of sherbet, but they couldn't find it anywhere. The parents and police ran upstairs to the boy's room, fearing it might be too late. They found him in bed, clutching the pixie stick. God, fucking imagine the panic! I'm like, ah! Yeah, oh, I know, I know, you just right? Run over, wouldn't you? Yeah. Like, smack it out of his hand. Yes. 
I think it's be bloody um, like clutching as well. Yeah, <laughs> it's weird, isn't it? Oh, I know. I, <laughs> it's I, me going to sleep holding my inhalers. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Luckily, the boy was just asleep and explained that he was going to eat the sherbet before sleeping, but he found the large staple at the top just too hard to remove and gave up and fell asleep. He had a lucky escape. The police examined all of the removed sweets and found that the top half of the sherbet was emptied out and had been replaced by cyanide. The amount of cyanide found in each of these sticks was enough to kill three to four fully grown adults and these had been given to children under the age of 10. Sick motherfucker. Yeah, disgusting, right? Mm-hmm. So obviously Ronald was asked by police exactly which house had given him the five pixie sticks. Ronald didn't think this through, did he? He really didn't. No, at all. And Ronald claimed that he didn't remember because he's now thinking, hmm, actually, I'm not going to get away with this. Yeah. This is strange as they hadn't visited that many houses that evening and this particular house Ronald had hung back at before rejoining the group and handing out the treats. So police started to go door to door to every house on the two streets that the group had gone to that evening and questioned occupants on what streets they had been handing out that evening and no one's house had been handing out sherbet sticks. So maybe he thought that was a common sweet they were gonna hand out. That'd be like us giving out licorice. Who yeah. Who fuck eats licorice anymore? <laughs> I, I actually quite like licorice. Yeah, but you're, you're the fucking weirdo that would just like suck on a pickle for hours. <laughs> um, that is not a weird thing. A lot of people do that. Just pickle saying. sucker. Later, Ronald went back on his story and he said he did remember the house, but apparently when the owner had opened the door and had handed him the sweets, the door was only cracked and the lights were off, so Ronald, so Ronald was unable to see who it was. You know, not fishy at all. Fucking idiot, won't you? So why would you even accept the sweets from a suspicious person? Also, it's not going to be a random person opening the door, it's going to be whoever lives there. Yeah. Unless someone burgled the house to then give you sherbet. Cyanide, <laughs> sherbet. Do you, want some, sherbet? Do you yeah. want some sherbet, boy? Would you like <laughs> some cyanide for your children? Yeah, it's weird. I can't, I literally cannot imagine taking my children, which trick-or-treating, you've got to say, is risky. You are taking mm. things from strangers and eating them. And for a house to creepily, in the dark, pass you some sweets, and then you go, oh, that's a good idea. Kids! <laughs> well, firstly, still, that seems perfectly fucking normal. Yeah, not like, tampered with at all. Yeah. It's like that house in um, It. <laughs> the really freaky one. Yeah. Oh, I'll hand back. They just open the door, I'm just going to pop in. Yeah. <laughs> it's standing there like, have some candy. Yeah. <laughs> Hiya, Georgie. <laughs> yeah. Hiya, Georgie. So clearly, as Ronald was unable to identify who gave him the poison sweets, police had to find this out for themselves. The owner of the house was a man named Courtney Melvin. He was an air traffic controller. Courtney claimed to be at work until 11pm that evening, and his colleagues were able to corroborate this. And this made it an airtight alibi. God, imagine if he was home at that point and just didn't answer the door. Everyone would be hating on Courtney right Fucked, now. yeah. Mm-hmm. And that happens a lot, that someone's placed the blame and those people are like victimised forever. Yeah. yeah. Because they, really they were a suspect. Yeah. It's it's quite... The public and obviously paparazzi, like, they really do hound in, don't they? And just hone in on um, any bit of any, any bit of it. Yeah. And then they'll just day into you and be nasty, nasty bastards about it. It's like going back to the girl scout case we did last mm-hmm. week and um, the farmer. Yes. Yeah. And he was hospitalised just because he got stressed. Yeah. Mm. Because they questioned him. He mm. wasn't even really accused, was he? He was literally just having questions. Yeah. Well, it was from you, so uh, yeah. 
Yeah. I was like, oh my god, he did it! Grab your knives and pitchforks! <laughs> also, the group would have been out and home long before 11pm. So with this evidence, police were able to fully rule Courtney Melvin out as a suspect. So, the police turned their investigation to Ronald O'Brien himself. And with only a small amount of digging, they were able to uncover that Ronald was in around $100,000 worth of debt. Fucking hell, how'd you even do that? Oh, I could easily I should do say that. that I have a mortgage, so... Yeah. Does that count? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. shit. <laughs> but yeah, I'm not an idiot about it. I don't, like, gamble incessantly. Yeah. Just don't get a little water count. <laughs> don't worry, down. Do not sponsored. <laughs> <laughs> Little words ruin my life. <laughs> so Ronald flitted between jobs. He didn't have a solid job at any period of time, and his current job was actually being investigated for theft in the workplace, so he needed money. Money was a consistent issue for Ronald, and it was clear that his financial life was at the cusp of destroying him. His car was about to get repossessed. He had several loans that were taken out against the family home. These were not being paid, and so the family's home was also at risk of getting seized by the bank, resulting in the family becoming homeless. Now this is where things start to get a bit more sinister. With more investigation, the police were able to find out that Ronald had taken out life insurance policies for both of his young children just months before Timothy, Timothy was killed. My God, just pretend to die yourself. Go yeah. fuck off somewhere. <laughs> Fake your, your own like, death. Yeah. Don't get your kids involved. Yeah. What also, type of human are you? People, you know, insurance companies. I work for an insurance company. Like fraudulent activity is very, very hot. If they found out that your child had died under suspicious circumstances, and only a few months before you'd taken, you'd out, taken out a life insurance policy, you ain't getting a fucking payout. I'm telling you that. <laughs> Potentially, in the seventies. Yeah. yeah, maybe they didn't have, but they weren't so hot on it, but still, paper trail. Okay. Not I don't obviously know what American insurance policies are, but the amount of fucking murders that are literally based on I want that insurance money is obscene. Mm -hmm. The amount of murders that are committed, and they do get payouts, mind. So maybe American insurance, um, yeah, is a little bit more lax than ours, because ours would be like, no, no. Yeah. Ronald had topped these loans up twice in the weeks leading up to Timothy's death. And the two policies now had a combined payout value of around $120,000. And when police informed Diane, Ronald's wife, of their findings, she was astonished and she had no idea her two children were even insured, let alone for how much. Police also contacted the insurance company and they informed police how Ronald had called them on the morning after his son's death, inquiring about how he went about getting the payout. What? Mm, what yeah. like who does that you'd be like oh my god i've just lost my son oh how do i get my money people deal with grief in different ways can i just say this because i deal with like deceased customers a lot not the actual <laughs> customers hello i'm calling from hell yeah <laughs> it's warm <laughs> how are you um no, so i deal with people dealing with deceased family members quite a lot and i have literally had a man whose wife had some form of terminal, terminal illness and she had died and he'd literally called us a couple of hours later and he was like, she's left me a list of things that I need to sort out and I need just to get through this list. Mm. And I know that's really bizarre, but that was obviously his way of coping, right? She's told me that when she it, dies, yeah, I, I mean, need to do this, this and this, I'm gonna do it. 
Yeah, so my mum, my mum's a nightmare, but she's got a list like that and she's like, anything happens to me, I want you to, to, to contact this person, contact this person, do this, do this, do that. So I, I guess it's just a way of them wanting everything to be Yeah, right but that's a list, just, it depends how quickly you act on that list. Yeah. I mean, in one aspect you could say, oh, they need to keep their mind busy, which is fair enough, I can understand that, but a couple of hours after, I'd be, I'd be fucking a whole bottle deep in vodka, probably. Yeah. Swimming but- in it. But but then I know people, you. Yeah, yeah. those people do with it differently. I just can't imagine, like, a couple of hours, oh, best sort out that insurance. Just, mm. it seems strange to me. I'd be with family members, I'd be grieving. Yeah. You know what I mean? This was all over the local news, and this prompted a nearby chemical supplier to get in touch. Now, apparently, a man that they believed to have been Ronald O'Brien had come into the shop a few weeks earlier and had attempted to buy cyanide. A cyanide is such a toxic substance, the shop would only sell it in very, very small quantities. What would you need it for anyway? Do we know? Um, I think it's commonly used in like rat poison or, um, yeah, so like okay. incesticide. Is that the word? Incesticide. Incesticide, yeah. It smells all incest in the house. That's the house as well. Spray it on your creepy uncles. <laughs> Apologies to all the uncles out there. Yeah. <laughs> We're not putting you all in a bad light, just some of you. Did have a simple mind. I'm not right? <laughs> now, unless you have m- maybe some form of license, there is no reason for the shop to be selling you such a high quantity of cyanide. And I, I assume you would have to have a license to buy over the the small quantity that mm. you could clearly buy yeah, you're like over the shop. Yeah, but then yeah, I but you'd get your own. You'd have yeah, yeah maybe your own supplier. And rightfully so, this amount of cyanide would be very dangerous in the wrong hands. And this man who had come in had requested to buy a huge amount of the chemical. When they refused the sale, the man left the shop with buying nothing at all. Police believe that Ronald O'Brien had plotted to kill both his young children with the cyanide lace sweets, so he could claim off their life insurance policy to get him out of his financial mess. And that he gave the three other sticks to other children to help cover his tracks. I just such a lazy plot. Yeah, you could, I think... I'll just give them some poison sweets. It's hard. It's bad enough trying to kill your own children, but then killing other innocent kids just to cover your own tracks. Fucking nutter, for one. Mm. And, yeah, like we said earlier, just make yourself die. But not, you know, Mm. like, you can easily disappear. You could fake your own death, like, dig up a grave, hide that in a car, crash the car, set it on fire, boom. And then you're like, oh off living my best life in Mexico. Just. And if you didn't get away with it, you'd probably get done for a lot less than he's about to get done for now. Yes, exactly. Or you could just fucking call citizens advice and get some debt help. Do they have that in America? Why do you know how to speak? I'm like, UK perspective here. <laughs> over the following days, police questioned Ronald over what they thought he had done and why he had done it. But Ronald stubbornly maintained his innocence. But police didn't believe him at all. Ronald was charged with one count of capital murder and four counts of attempted murder. With these charges, this meant that Ronald could face the death penalty. He pled not guilty to all five charges. Prosecution had so much evidence to back up their claims of what his plan had been, and they would use this to assist him getting the desired conviction. One of Ronald's only friends was to testify in court and tell the jury how he had been bragging about the life insurance payout and how he planned to book a holiday with the money at Timothy's funeral. 
wanker for one and dead giveaway you're putting yourself in it dead giveaway it is a dead giveaway <laughs> shit yeah <laughs> no pun intended <laughs> you didn't win the money another friend spoke out about how Ronald had constantly questioned him about the effects of cyanide that summer the shop clerk was also able to formally identify Ronald as the man who had entered the shop that day, weeks before the murder, trying to buy large amounts of cyanide. On June 3rd, 1975, a jury took just 45 minutes to find Ronald O'Brien guilty of one count of capital murder and four counts of attempted murder. They then took a further 70 minutes to decide that Ronald should receive the death penalty for his crimes. Ronald spent 10 years in prison on death row, where he was consistently beaten for being a child killer. On the 31st of March, 1984, Ronald O'Brien was executed by lethal injection. He actually had two different execution dates and he appealed them both and won both times. So he would have been executed, I think, he was originally meant to be executed after six years in prison and then he had it extended and had a new date for him for eight years and then this date in 1984 mm. and his solicitor lawyer whatever it is um actually appealed it again under the grounds that it was unfair but that appeal was denied and he was executed by lethal injection during the execution a crowd of over 300 people amassed and once it was announced that o'brien was dead the crowd cheered and threw sweets into the air mm. that's quite sad I, actually that gives me <laughs> i think that's quite cool amy say so, yeah, <laughs> what does it give us well <laughs> ronald's last words was that he was innocent and how he believed the death penalty was wrong and that draws this terrible case to its end. And I'm sure that this has caused Halloween to be treated much differently and that parents will be much more careful about what they let their children have at Halloween. It doesn't really go into a lot of detail. It's kind of the befores, like we don't know much about um, Diane, do we? No. And kind of like how, what their family life was like, what is up, I know a lot of it, they always put through to kind of his childhood of why something might, may have come to his mm -hmm. head of doing this because that's not a normal logic to to kill your children off to do that for money if that makes sense mm -hmm. so it's quite hard to find details on this crime mm. it's, it's very it is the crime we don't have any kind of backstory mm. of the early days and stuff so it's quite difficult to know what actually motivates him to do this crime because i know it's money but money motivated it yeah yeah but then we don't know if there is there is anything else that yeah maybe there's back of abuse or a similar sort of pattern of behavior in his exactly. family when he was a child and mm. um, one thing i do know is that diane did remarry and the man she remarried adopted elizabeth and mm. they yeah, continue nice. to live like a nice little hopefully a nice little well, little life the mum wasn't offered tits like the dad was so. well, i think she was just completely in the dark about it financial, yeah financial stuff can be hidden so yeah. maybe she literally had no clue yeah. that any of and this some, was going on some men are like that yeah and he could have had a complete control over that marriage family like you don't know what she was going through at that time for him to kind of do that crime like you don't know what his relationship was like with these kids he obviously didn't have a very good one i reckon he may have had that stance of i'm the man i make the money I need to sort this out, you know, sort of thing. Mm. But then he took a completely wrong turn. I'll kill my kids. Mm. 
which is uncommon. That way of thinking. Yeah, mm. it's what what makes you snap and like there's always going to be a way out. Do you know what I mean? And death, killing yeah. your kids isn't it? No. And there's just as many mothers that have done it. There's just as many fathers mm-hmm. that have done it. Step parents, like it's not. Uncles, the, aunties, yeah. yeah, it's not unheard of. Sadly, yeah, it's not husbands, of. wives. I'm sure yeah. it's happened in any sort of family path that people have been killed for. Mm. And they've for all got different reasons. Mm. And none of those reasons are right. So, as far as we know, this case that we've covered is the only case that's actually kind of legitimate, legitimate, and actually killed a child. Mm-hmm. Every Halloween, like you'll see on social media, especially nowadays, all the time of be careful. There's needles. There's razor blades. There's cannabis laced in like sweets and stuff mm. but a lot of the time it's never really proven uh, we've got a few kind of instances that happened back in the 50s and 60s where in 1959 there was a Californian dentist and he coated candy and laxatives um, and gave these to trick-or-treaters there was another case in 1964 which was a woman who didn't like the fact that older kids were trick-or-treating at a house um, was this the old woman who <laughs> saw you lot? Oh my god, this is <laughs> oh god. Long Island, New York. Oh, shit. Right. Not Bristol, UK. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, this woman gave out inedible objects. God knows what these kids were thinking when they gave it to her, but she gave them steel wool, dog biscuits, and ant poison. Um, luckily, no one was injured um, and she was prosecuted. Uh, for endangering, endangering children. I'm sorry, but you don't give a child a lump of steel wool and it's better to be like, oh, yeah, I was like, oh, oh, no, no. Like, oh my tongue. Yeah. when they're young enough, you can trick them because our friend of ours from school, it was me and her, and we convinced her younger brother that a tampon was a sweet and that if you just put it in his mouth, it would um, expand and the sweets would pop out. <laughs> <laughs> If you're listening, you know who you are. This is innocent pranks. Yeah. This isn't giving them bloody shards of glass. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> it's oh, so wrong. Hell. It was funny though. Amy, has Noah ever gone into a handbag and come out like chomping on the tampon? <gasps> no. Hang on, hang on. Two days ago. He's <laughs> <laughs> keeping him happy. It's sterile. <laughs> Chomp away. That's amazing. <laughs> And then I've got another two cases here, to be honest, they're a bit like nowadays, you can't really believe anything, so it might not be true, but it's thought that um, people had given out rat poison before and mm. even filled bubblegum with lime, yeah. which you said was like a it's form a... of rat poison. Yeah, I'm not sure if it was a poison thing, but I just know that I think it may have even been like a household cleaner. Mm. So I think it I, is a household cleaner. Yeah, it's, it's a powder it's, and it pretty much uh, dissolves stuff. Yeah. So if you had lime, it went into your throat, it would like dissolve yeah. your throat. Yeah. Like it's how we like... said in, in the, the woman in black, that kid. Ah, uh, yeah. Like, and yeah. she like ends up like coughing up blood and then she just dies. Do the impression. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean from the woman in black. You did it earlier. The Daniel Radcliffe impression oh, yeah. or whatever it was. What did she say? He's like, um... Please, sir, my sister, she's had some lie. <laughs> and he's like, lie? Oh my god, lie? Oh, darling, are you okay? <laughs> yeah, if you have no idea what George is quoting, that is the woman in black uh, starring Daniel Radcliffe. <laughs> <laughs> I found. <laughs> it's kind of funny, actually. <laughs> I found on a rabbit hole. Probably like six months ago. <laughs> trying to. <laughs> trying to I didn't actually fall down a rabbit hole. So, you know. <laughs> <laughs> no, like down the internet rabbit hole. Okay. Um, 
So I remember. <laughs> do you remember that um, Daniel Radcliffe was in a play where he was like stark naked, and there was a picture of the big dick. Oh my big god, dick I Daniel. big dick Daniel. I searched the internet for a good half an hour trying to find that yeah. picture, I've and I was it. like screenshot. But it is a legit. Picture. Yeah, yeah, I think I see. I see it's like lolly down with his ankles. There's a clip on YouTube of him in someone's like sneakily filmed the play, and he's like running about, and you can see it like jangling around. Oh, I fucking love Harry Potter. Expelliarmus. <laughs> 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 you can spell my armus. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, so they were the cases in kind of the 50s, 60s, and then what I found in the 2000s um, was, yeah, so as I said, um, there was a needle stuck in a Snickers bar, apparently. Um, imagine chewing oh, on that. that means yeah, which didn't harm anyone, but apparently it pricked someone's finger. And then apparently people would have been coating chocolate in weed, which I don't know why they would do that. They've been doing that for years, chocolate brownies. Yeah, but why don't you give them away? That, <laughs> that interests me particularly. Yeah, because um, surely you're not going to get any, like, the kids are just going to have. The kids are just going to bed. Yeah. Oh, they take themselves to bed, it'd be amazing. Yeah. <laughs> but not just kids, a lot of the time animals are being targeted as well. Yeah. Um, so, especially, I know around where we live, a lot of the kind of big field areas. You always see things on Facebook, like be careful someone's leaving poison on the Little floor. Pork sausages with razors in and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Um, treats on the floor um, that dogs will eat and they'll have poison in them or even being posted through the letterbox. Yeah. But a, li- a little kind of safety message here. Just let your kids go trick or treat. It's fine. But Just accompany them. <laughs> accompany them, watch them and only go to houses where you know who lives there. Yeah. Like if you're in a new neighbourhood. Don't do it. Like, yeah, until you know them. Like, I've been living at my house for quite a while now, but I don't particularly know the neighbours, and I wouldn't personally. I know there's a few dotted around that I've seen, and they don't look right. I think my little cul de sac where I live, they've yeah. all got a nice bunch. Like, I like I know that my neighbours are nice and reliable, like, they're, they're so, like, community centred. Like, yeah, I, I, I'm and you still think they're good, yeah. I just, I think, in, like, nowadays, I just don't think it's a very safe thing to do. And okay. it's not a big part of Halloween, I don't think. Dress them up, take them to a party, and buy them some sweets. Mm. And I don't even answer the door. I do now because obviously now oh, doors ring out, but I make my house look as scary as I can. They do come. Yeah. Like, Turn all the lights off. Paint the door black. <laughs> yeah. So my my mum and dad, as I said, were not big on Halloween. We never used to really do anything for Halloween at all. And they used to literally make a massive sign and stick it in their porch saying, no trick or treaters. And our house would always get egged every single year. Our house would get egged. Nick, you're so... So once some kids came to our house and it was Halloween, but it was like in the day. It must be like three o'clock. And my dad chased these kids (laughs) all the way to their house and knocked on the door and spoke to their parents because they had egged our house. Yeah. Oh, that's good. Fair enough. So thank you again for listening to today's episode. If you do have any thoughts, comments or suggestions on how we could do things better, what you like, what you don't like, if you've got any ideas for a case that we could cover, especially Halloween cases, that's what we're looking at at the moment, mm-hmm. then please mm-hmm. do drop us an email at girlstalkcrime at gmail.com. Um, also follow us on all of the usual social media platforms. We have Facebook, Instagram, and a Twitter. Last thing as well, please don't get offended by anything we say. Like we're a group of friends, we all have a laugh. Obviously, we understand these these stories are serious. Sometimes you, you've got to have a laugh. Yeah, this is this is how we've interpreted it. We mean no offense to the victims. Yeah. I mean, I do kind of mean some offense to the killers <laughs> in these cases, but we mean absolutely no offense to the victims and their families. Absolutely not.
No, it's still a horrific tale and a young boy lost his life at yeah. eight years old. It's nothing to be laughed at in that sense, but you know, we want to make this fun and enjoyable listening instead of all just being focused on the morbid side of stuff. Yes. So, thanks for listening, guys. Bye. Bye.